first order of business today. Well, only order of business today. The episode's already cut and edited, and you'll hear it in just a few minutes. I wanted to make an announcement about the show. I'm officially open for inquiries for advertising on Tyler Geis's Basement. I thought maybe with all the success I've had, all the downloads I've had with the show, uh, all the people that listen on a regular basis, uh, if you are a business owner or if you know somebody who's a business owner, it can be anything from in the field of media because obviously I talk to people who work behind and in front of the cameras and artists, musicians, all that kind of snazziness. If you have a company that you'd maybe like me to hop on here and give you a plug about on every episode throughout the month, uh, you can reach out to me. I have an email that is officially open uh, where I will take inquiries for advertising. That email is get ready, thebasement at gmail.com. Once again, that is thebasement at gmail.com. And that is if you are a business owner of any sorts and you want to get some sort of publicity on a show that has ties to places like Netflix, Hulu, a lot of the streaming platforms just other artists out there in the world that, you know, love to promote cool things and whatnot, you can get me to talk about it here on the show. I can either do it at the top of the show, tail end of the show. I might even do a little mid-show promotional thing where I just squeeze it in and give you a shout-out. Advertising on Tyler Geis's Basement could be anywhere from $20 a month to $50 a month to even up to $100 a month, which means I would be talking a lot about your business here on the show throughout the month. Uh, pretty much every episode, front, middle, and back, when I would be plugging my sponsors for the show. I also would probably be doing a handful of social media shout-outs if you got any merch or anything you want me to wear and whatnot. That's what I would do to give back to you as a sponsor of this show. So... Shoot me an email over at thebasement at gmail.com. Now, on with the show. She hails from none other than Pittsfield, Massachusetts, about an hour from where I grew up, and now she's kicking a lot of ass in New York City, running two production companies. She's Shakespearean trained in theater, and we have a great talk about it on today's show. And she's also doing a lot of cool horror movies, like things like 21st Century Demon Hunter, which I believe is on Amazon Prime right now, but you shouldn't watch it. Wait for the Blu-ray release because I don't even think it's supposed to be on Amazon Prime. <laughs> You'll learn more about it later in the show. Uh, she's got an upcoming film coming out called Bishop's Cove. She's also in Love and Love Not. And if you remember back in November, uh, I talked to the director of that. That is making the rounds on the festival circuit. And also, I don't know if you guys know who Lizzo is. She's kind of a big deal, kind of like one of the biggest artists right now today. My guess just happens to be a model for Lizzo's clothing company. Kind of a big freaking deal. Uh, it's Chelsea Lesage. I should have maybe said her name at the top. I'll also say it again in a few minutes on the other side of the intro. So welcome to the basement, everybody. Okay, so as some of you guys, all of you guys who are listening to the show, just heard my little intro naming off the resume of my guest right now, Chelsea Lesage. Welcome to Tyler Geis's basement. Uh, what are you not doing right now? Like, <laughs> there's so many. So what's so funny? No, you're funny. What Thank am you. I not doing Thank right you. Now? No, 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 like you're. For someone who like literally, I've been kind of circling around an interview with you for a week, talking with your uh, talking with your talking with your reps who I know, um, and just uh, trying to figure out like what to talk about, what to ask you, and everything. And I'm like, holy shit! Like this list keeps. I don't have enough time. To <laughs> I have a. Kid, I appreciate Christ sakes. I have a kid. I have furry kids. So oh, again, I have a dog. No, too. no, it's. Com it's completely different. I, I realized that it's completely different. I got yelled at the other day for trying to compare it. I have yet to put my dogs in a dog stroller. I just want that out there in the open because people have asked me if I have. No, no, they don't have a dog stroller. Um, but yes, no, I don't know. I'm doing, I'm, I don't know. There's, there's so much more that I'd like to be doing, but thank you. That's very kind. Life is really beautiful. Life is so good. Yeah, no, I was, I was going to ask you, do you need me to like, you're in, you're New York City based, right? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was going to ask, do you need me to come up a couple of days out of the week, fetch you some lattes or something for, <laughs> it has to be $15 an hour. Uh, <laughs> 15, you'll work for cheap. It's great. I love uh, it. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, uh, no, it's cool to be busy. It's cool that you got a lot of things going on, uh, makes for a good guest on this show. And just by some of the research I've been doing, uh, we're from not like we're from West. We're both from Western Massachusetts. You're from, I'm from Northampton. You're from Pittsfield. I have some stories about Pittsfield. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they're not good. <laughs> no, no, I no, love they're not. <laughs> they're not bad. Like my story is literally, I have a friend who lives halfway between uh, where I live and Pittsfield. And we would go to the movies some nights and our pre movie meal was, you're going to find this disgusting probably. I don't know, but um, the old country buffet. <laughs> oh my God. No way. So my mother, we used to go there growing up. My mother called it the old country bar fit. <laughs> I mean, that, that sounds about right. Like, I'm... That's about right. Like Sharon, my mother, she knows all. Um, yeah, no, it's um, the old country bar fit. Yeah, I've been there many a time. I think now, God, what is it now? Like, I think it's Chili's. God damn chili. it. <laughs> it's another chili. <laughs> it's another chili. The only reason I've never I think it's a chili because it's right next to the Applebee's or the Apple the Apple Barfs. And um Yeah, but I old country Apple Barfs. Yeah. Applebee's, yeah. by the way. Um, it's Applebee's, yes. But old country barf it was everything. Um the but I believe it's chilies now. I've never been there. The only reason that makes me happy that there's a chilies in what we call Shitsfield, Massachusetts. I'm sorry, I swore on your podcast. Um but um uh but i do love pittsfield i do very much um but the only reason that chilies makes me excited is because i'm a huge fan of the office and <laughs> just oh, yeah. the whole yeah so i was just like we're getting a chili i have to go home <laughs> yeah but yeah yeah I, i'm more of a chilies guy if i'm like what's that there's an instagram page middle class fancy i think and what? all it is is it all, you never heard of this thing? No, oh I have things to learn. I, Tell me, please. <laughs> so middle class fancy is the it's just an Instagram page with memes that kind of make fun of middle class white people. And I um as a middle class white guy, I find it extremely funny. <laughs> like, how can you be offended by this shit? And they love to joke about how we love Olive Garden and everything. And I, I'm when you're ever... here, you're family, Tyler. <laughs> I've hardly ever been to an Olive Garden, but yeah. Um... Yeah, we used to have to growing up, we'd go to like uh, the closest IHOP for the Olive Garden to Berkshire County, where Pittsfield is, where I'm from. Um, I think was either in Albany or Springfield. And so it was oh, yeah. like a special occasion thing. Like we'd go, um, we'd go to the Olive Garden. It's, I don't want to like, please don't hate on my mother, anyone, but she loves the Olive Garden and therefore I do too. <laughs> but now I'm going to look up this Instagram page. I must, I must. If you, sometimes if I, if they post and I see it immediately, I like to just like, bounce like funny jokes in the comment section off of that meme so sometimes you might catch me in there <laughs> kicking some ass but this is this is a really weird way to kick off the show it is it is i love northampton just saying northampton peeps i see you and i love you you like yeah i hey i grew up i grew up there i love <laughs> i i love that city i you know there's some things about it that i uh, wish were a little better right now yeah but um i'm not going to go into that i mean when I was a Good. kid, that was like such a thriving like music venue place. Like bands would come through and everything. Yeah, for um, real. No, that was like if we wanted to go somewhere hip and we yeah. didn't want to go to Great Barrington, we'd go to Northampton. Um, I just the one thing that I think about with Northampton is that whatever that uh, like kind of weird eclectic toy store thing is on that main strip, I think Spaces? it's probably space. Spaces. 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 Yeah. Places. I I don't even know if that's open anymore, but uh I don't I'd be sad to see it go, but yeah. Oh my god, we're from the same place. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> well I love it. Let's jump in a little bit to everything you're doing. I'll, if for the listeners at home, if I sound a little scattered, I was just trying to get everything in order with what's come out and what hasn't. Um, but 
I just want to start one place and I feel like it's in your career as a, in theater. And I have a lot of uh, actors, Mm -hmm. actresses come on and, you know, when they're not doing a movie, whether it's just like a movie that they're doing on the weekends or they're actually doing like a big, big thing or when they're not doing that, they're trying to get into play. They're trying to do theater. And what was that's it? what we all live for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know anything about being in a play. I, uh, well, except for in the eighth grade, I was in Midsummer Night's Dream and I had like 12 lines. Who did you play? You don't even remember, do you? you I, all right. I don't remember the name, but um, uh, Phyllis Strait has around 12 lines. Well, the thing is, is there's like four people playing my part. It was <laughs> okay. Got it. Got it. Understood. It was um. It was the eighth grade, and this is also just a testament to how much we should give teachers maybe more money, or at least money to yes. cover some costs on things. This is a Shakespearean play. My wardrobe was a red shirt and blue jeans. Oh God! Oh and my goodness! In hindsight, I'm not thinking about that when I'm 12, 13 years old. But in hindsight, I'm like, wow, they did not give. I don't even remember the teacher's name, but they just gave her nothing to do this. And thing. They, she probably was just like just doing it because she loved it because she gets it because it's theater. And that's why yeah. all these people on your show were like, I want to get in a play. I want to get in a play. <laughs> yeah. But because <laughs> there's just something that's so different about it that's so special and unique that you don't get anywhere else in our career ever. Well, that's probably what it is. <laughs> it's, um, you started out and I was just doing some research. Uh, you were in a Shakespeare and company in Lenox, Mass. Yeah, I grew up there doing the Fall Festival of Shakespeare. And then their like psycho program, which is like their Shakespeare and Young Company, made an appearance on the main stage a couple of times. Um, and then was like, I'm going to move to New York and I'm going to do I'm going to do Shakespeare forever. Um, it's worked out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It's yeah that worked out but it's just like i look back on it i'm like geez chelsea wow but you know my parents always told me that they wouldn't let me do it if they didn't think i could um so <laughs> which i'm like wow i love the brutal honesty it somehow shaped me to who i am today um the yeah no i grew up at shakespeare and company it was just like it's, they're the best people they're just i mean absolutely incredible and they just kind of ruined and made my life simultaneously where I decided that this was my calling. <laughs> uh, if it's not too pl- dark, how did they ruin it? <laughs> how did they ruin it? Because it's just, um, I had to learn, you know, I, I was bright eyed and bushy tailed moving to New York city at 18 and then yeah. was, um, uh, got a great education at Marymount Manhattan college and then was able to write out a college, go and tour playing Henry V in Shakespeare's Henry V across Europe, which was amazing. But um, what they don't tell you um, really anywhere is that like what you see with all of your guests or everyone who knows someone who's a professional actor is that you supplement it with, if you're lucky enough to not have a day job, film, television, modeling, commercial work, print work, all of that. So I wasn't prepared for that. It was like, I'm just going to play Lady Macbeth forever um, at 18 years old. Um, it's still my goal, but yeah. the, <laughs> but just being like, oh, I actually, I have to, if I want to just be in the arts and not be a bartender, which I did do, and I learned a lot from that, but um, that you have to supplement it with commercial work or modeling or film and television. And those were things that I, at 18 years old, did not even have a clue or really think about um yeah no i got you i got you (laughs) um so just a reoccurring question i have on this show i'm sure when i start saying this some audience members just start rolling their eyes but it's always a good jumping off point with some things like what was a moment for you growing up whether it was as a little little girl or just a teenager right I don't know, but the, the question is the was moment. It a, was it an acting performance? Was it a movie? Was it a play? What kind of made you like go, oh, I want to do that? I I I have to do that. Um, I don't really think I had one of those. Um, I've been asked this before. I don't really think I had one. Of course, I've always been inspired and I was always just afraid, like, oh, that's something I could never do. Um, because I was just a scaredy cat, insecure little kid. I've reconnected with some like grammar school teachers recently and they're like, you're an actor. <laughs> I heard I on just... a, on a podcast. I think you just did. You said you were a band geek. 
Yeah. So I guess that's the like the way that I can really say that I got into it. I mean, I always loved movies that my mother or father showed me and all of that. Um, and I always loved going to Broadway and everything, but there was never like, a, oh, I have to do that. But I started playing clarinet really young. And then when I got to high school, um, two people, two of my friends who were a year ahead of me threatened to pull my pants down in the lunchroom if I didn't audition for the Shakespeare play. So, nice. yeah, it's definitely backwards. But um, uh, I love you both if you're listening to this. Um, but the, <laughs> but the, what happened was that, that Shakespeare and Company and Lennox came into our high school um, every fall to do the fall festival and they threatened me. And then I was like, oh, Shakespeare like the pentameter is kind of like a melody in band i can get behind this and then i was just kind of ruined not ruined that's the wrong word but that was the moment where i was like oh wait i really really i enjoy this i don't have to like use my embouchure or like be playing notes in order to perform for people okay cool great shaking because shakespeare is amazing yeah yeah I'm gonna, that was it. I'm going to touch on Bill Shakespeare in just a minute. <laughs> I always call Billy him, Shakes. I call I don't I think that's from like an SNL sketch like Bill Shakespeare. I I I always call him that. I make it that's sound okay. like I know him. <laughs> but No, that's that's what you're supposed to do. That's all right. Yeah, Billy Shakes, but Billy um, Shakes. Before I I got I got a few questions on cuz I know you seem to have like a good kinship with maybe not kinship but with that kind of work, but as a theater performer, and this is just me admiring from afar, because I've gone to a lot of plays and whatnot, have other friends that have done theater, even if they're just background players, they, they just loved the rush of doing it. And like, is it like, is it really the rush you get from the audience that is like kind of what keeps you doing it? Or like, well, what, just explain that to me because I always hear actors who are on stage talk about that amazing feeling of doing it live in front of a audience. Um, it's definitely, I guess I'd say my drug of choice um, because how it works with the audience, I guess, is that you never, you never know. I think that that first time realizing that you're doing it in front of an, of a live, a live audience and the stakes are so high, you could ruin everything especially when you're so young like when i started doing shakespeare's around 14 you just you 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 say one word wrong even if you replace you with thou accidentally you ruin the entire play because you're so young you're so young and you just think that it's the whole world is going to come crashing down if you mess up so it's that strive to do your absolute best and then you're at that moment in front of the audience um there's definitely, it's the rush of endorphins is unlike anything else in the world. But then it, as you keep doing it, you know, you, you're on a run for a while, say a month, a year, um, whatever it may be, whatever your contract is. The um, Some audiences are better than others. They're more responsive than others. Some are, you know, in a show I just did, our opening night was packed. It was sold out and they were so quiet. And then the next night, we're just, it was a, a little more than half capacity and they were just with us. They were so present. They were, um, not the opening night wasn't, I know a lot of my friends were in that show or in that crowd, I'm sorry. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's the, it's the not knowing, mm -hmm. I think has a lot to do with it. Um, and the fear or the adrenaline or how you as a person or as a creative handles that, that I think is what's so addicting about it and makes it so unlike anything else in the world. I very much can see that. Um, yes. <laughs> how do you prep for that? Like, I mean, do you, do you go out there on an empty stomach or like, do you, like, I don't know. Like, what, what is like the mental preparation for something like that? Um, uh, know your lines. Of course, <laughs> know where you're supposed. Damn, no, oh, I forgot. Um, know where you're supposed to be on the stage. Um, I think that it's um a sense of the family that you build in every show, just trusting your other actors in case something goes awry. Um, and then just mentally, I mean, I 
every opening night I get this like little feeling of nerves um and it manifests in my like sweaty palms and um it goes away for the most part after that everyone gets nervous I don't care if people say they don't um but the because it's the first time doing this thing you're just like presenting your whole person like all of your vulnerability you're just putting out there in the open for x amount of people who you don't know to Mm -hmm. see um so prepping for that it's just it's definitely just a mental thing but then also practice will never make perfect in this regard (laughs) you should always be learning and feeling these things but i think that that's really where it comes from is just knowing yourself and it helps you grow as an actor yeah, you know, you get it. <laughs> I got you. Um, so this is the most I, I, I this is the most I think I've ever talked about Shakespeare on this show. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, when people I'm not, I'm not <laughs> when, when people think Tyler Geis's basement, they think, oh my god, he's got a lot of intellect about Shakespeare. But I was thinking about this question a couple hours ago, you know, with all the work you've kind of done in that world. Um, with Shakespearean theater and whatnot. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm a writer myself. So I have a lot of writer friends and I've been noticing a trend. Like I like a lot of that of his work, but there's stuff that's just not for me. Um, but I know people that are just full on like, nah, there, there's nothing in that um, his writing that I think really is presenting itself very well in the modern age. Uh, I disagree because I think there's a lot of character arcs, themes, plot lines that we're still seeing show up in films, other plays, TV shows, whatever to this day. And like, what do do you like? What's your kind of stance on the material? I guess is what that, what that long drawn out thing was. No, no, I get it. And I'm with you. I write as well. And there's people who I write with and they're just like, I, you know, and I think it starts at a young age where people are forced in high school to read Shakespeare, which is not how it's meant to be taught. And so it ruins people as far as like Shakespeare goes or ruins Shakespeare for people. Um, Because it's meant to be seen. It's meant to be performed, read aloud and all of that jazz. Um, My stance on that is that, I mean, let's there's god i'm such a shakespeare nerd um i'm like all right do you have five hours um (laughs) the the, he wrote so many words that we he invented so many words that we use today i'm not going to give a number because i don't know it off the top of my head and i would hate to be wrong um but like letting even that go the tropes that you see like you just said in so many like modern plays television tv series anything it's all just common things that shakespeare kind of invented that still hold true and like common problems that families have they don't murder each other necessarily today but you know you can well they do but (laughs) (laughs) but you can take like aspects of that and draw it into whatever you're writing nowadays or whatever you see and then there's things that people base things on or or i guess adaptations that are still happening if you're going to Google adaptations of probably any Shakespeare play, including things that you've never really even thought about, like Two Noble Kinsmen, you know, things like that. Pericles, there are adaptations of that. Um, so it's the people who I think believe um, or put their foot down and have said that, no, it's not relevant to modern things probably have written something based on a Shakespeare trope and just don't want to say it. Ooh. (laughs) I'm going to get, when this episode drops, I'm going to get text messages and been like, no, hold up. You bring her back on the show. Please do. I'm coming. No, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be an instigator like that, but I just, I've, I've want, I'm thinking of two friends right now. They know who they are that have just point blank told me like, I don't fucking get Shakespeare. I don't even think it's needed to be relevant. Well, maybe they don't even realize that they're doing it. But something is is um, like two people falling in love who are teenagers and they can't be together. You know, like, like it's any simple thing. Like, where did you hear that first? Like, either the Greeks or Shakespeare. That's it. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. like it's i don't want to like <laughs> give him the label of like the first ever storyteller but i think he's the first no. ever famous storyteller i don't know but like it's I, hard I, it's hard there's just and i can't think of anything off the top of my head but like even if it's not even like a full-on plot line just like something in a movie and it could even be anything like a like a marvel movie i probably not i don't know but i'm just throwing things out there but like it creeps up on me i'll just be sitting there and i'll be like oh that's wow that was really deep wow that makes me think of that that also makes holy shit it's shakespeare like yeah it's anything like do you have your two characters kiss in a gym oh you think that's west side story guess what that's romeo and juliet yeah, that's the like... most obvious one you know yeah 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 that, it's, i i, I, I read that i revisited that when the new uh, west side story came out um last yeah. year the spielberg one and i was kind of like god this is so awesome oh i love the original one too and i was like this is Romeo and Juliet in, in New York <laughs> City. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> it's it's hard though too. It's hard like even you know growing up even people kids don't realize that they're introduced to Shakespeare because like the Lion King is based on Hamlet. Like yeah. they have written this like things things like so that is my stance as far as that goes. Um, I, I'm happy to be proven wrong. I'm always willing to learn things, but I am steadfast and true as far as Shakespeare kind of being a part of everything or another writer from around that time period or even prior. So this is the last thing I'm going to say about Shakespeare. And then we're moving on. Um, we're moving on. You're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't even remember if I'm going to get the story right. But what's the one? Is it Macbeth or is it Hamlet where he's like a he's a king at the end and they storm the castle to come after him or something. That's, I know that's very vague, but Malcolm does that um, at the end of Macbeth. Um, Okay. And then Fortinbras comes after Hamlet's dead at the end of Hamlet. So it's kind of one and the same, but I I feel like, (laughs) I feel like, so in 11th grade and yo, I, I got a C minus on this and I was pissed because I put a lot of work into this assignment. Um, we were studying it had to have been Macbeth because um, I think we were doing Shakespeare, some Shakespeare that day that year and I I think I picked that one I had to compare something out of Macbeth let's just say it's Macbeth um, to something modern in pop culture or m- movies and whatnot and here here we are here we'll come full circle on this with Love like it. other things in film and whatnot that are basically Macbeth at the time and been maybe a year after the fact Scarface with Al Pacino got its 20 year <laughs> DVD release. And I'm thinking of like, I'm at home and I was watching it religiously. I went through a phase where I just fucking loved Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was just watching it one night and I'm watching the end where it's all the, all the, all his enemies, swarm his mansion and he's got an m16 and he's killing them and they're all coming after him and i was like this is Macbeth." like th- like yeah I it is like, this is my project you know <laughs> and i got up in front of my 11th and i got up in front of my junior english class and it, we had like a, a student teacher Makes and sense. i got up there and i was just like i showed him the final scene of scarface and did like a compare and contrast between the end of Macbeth and this and she just didn't get it and like I had here, I'm showing this clip of Al Pacino going like "you fucking cockroaches," and like, and just <laughs> killing people. And I'm and I, I, the moral of the story is she didn't get it, and I didn't get a passing grade for that assignment. Well, but it's the she, same thing. It, she was a bad teacher. Um, <laughs> she was a bad teacher. No, I mean like it's totally. I've never really thought about that. So you, you in the eleventh grade, your intellect is actually it far surpassed mine. But um, <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's how amazing. it goes for me. I will think of something outlandish and try to like make you be like, no, this is this is real. This is what it is. I wonder. I wonder because you can Google like adaptations of Shakespeare in modern film, and I wonder if Scarface is under Macbeth. I don't know. I'll have to look. That up. If not, I'm gonna I'm gonna like write the people who made the website and be like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have an addendum. Um, yes, Shakespeare, Shakespeare. Moving on. Okay, that was a solid twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you to come on this show is I know you've been working in the horror genre 
a lot. Yes. And I look, this is not a horror film show uh, per se, but it might as well should be uh, 10 months out of the year because I get a lot of people who've worked in the genre on the show because, I mean, they're also just really easy to talk to. Like, I just, you know, yeah, sure. I'll come on your podcast. I got a movie on Netflix, blah, blah, blah. Um, We've seen it all. We'll talk about anything. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's one of those things where I'll get an email back and I'll be like, what? I Oh, shit. I have to prepare for this now. (laughs) Uh, So to work in that genre, to do films like that, like, you know, it's, it, it's almost a thing you like, like to geek out about, or maybe you don't, I don't know. Maybe you stumbled into it. Like what got you into the genre? Um, it was an accident, um, for real, uh, <laughs> really grateful for it. Cause it's just kind of like been the foundation, uh, for been my foundation in the film and television industry that I've been able to like rely on and also cultivate my career and then kind of like branch in other directions from um i uh so i have a production company seal squared productions with charles d lincoln and he was having an audition where i was called in for uh irish vampire um i didn't get the part the movie never wound up happening but then he called me in for something else and i uh didn't get that either but how I put the chair down in the audition room reminded him of his protagonist in his novel, 21st Century Demon Hunter, yeah. that he had coming out. So he hired me to be on the novel cover for that, to kind of like be the person or the image that is Julie Golightly, who's the protagonist in that. And then so we did that. And I was like, do you ever think about like making this a web series? And thus the TV show was born. Yes. <laughs> so it was kind of an accident but it's been great i caught some of it last night uh it's it's on amazon prime i mean i watched on prime i'm not did i it's on prime right right well it was on prime we had like a tiff with our last distribution company so it's all going to be re-released with i was gonna say yeah. yeah i think you can still buy it i don't know I actually don't. If it's still on Prime, then the last distribution company owes us a bunch of money. Well, um, I think they do because I watched it on Prime. <laughs> uh, I didn't fully watch. I think I got like, I, there's two seasons, correct me, right? If, yeah, uh, the second season's coming out. I think right uh, now it has, well, I have to call Charles. Um, <laughs> um, put it on my to-do list. The first season we did it like guerrilla style paying homage to like really bad 80s horror movies that people just love. It was just him and I and like a couple other people just like with a point and shoot. We didn't have color correction. We didn't have sound design. We didn't I always tell people to watch it with the subtitles on Um, but it's uh, uh, which I do with everything now Um, but but it was just a really fun thing and then we like booked this amazon deal and i was like okay cool i guess i'm a horror actress now um which is great which is great and then we went and we wrapped our second season which is um done with post with post-production and that has like a full crew and we have a budget and um all of that is happening so i know the first season of 21st century demon hunters being we got a dvd blu-ray deal which the horror indie people love like having physical media um so we have that coming out soon um i don't have an exact date but if not the end of september the beginning of october and then we will have the um second season which we're calling the season of fire which kind of takes place after the novel because it, we, if we had the budget for the novel, we'd need like Marvel money. Um, <laughs> but the novel's great. You can, you can get it on like Barnes and Noble or any uh, Amazon anywhere. Um, so the second season will also be released on DVD and Blu-ray later this year. And it will have the first season as a part of that as well, from what I've been told. And then we'll be back on streaming. So well, apparently we're still on streaming. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's Dude, good to know. Awkward. No, it's fine. It's great. <laughs> hey, at least you were able to. It, it, the first season was just fun. It was just. Yeah, no, silly. it looked. It really looked. I, I actually, I'm going to. I didn't fully get to finish it, but I'm going to probably keep chugging away at it. It was. I don't know. I like. I like. I, I kind of. 
you know, like the style you said you were either going for, you're trying to make this like, you know, old school, low budget horror thing. Like I still find, I don't know, like anybody who knows me, like I, <laughs> they know I'm kind of like into that, like straight to video kind of vibe movies with like from like the nineties and stuff. And like nice. I have a lot of, I have a lot of like cinephile friends where we'll sit there and like, talk about like akira kurosawa films for an hour and then i'll be like oh, but yes. so i was watching so anyway i was watching microwave massacre the other night <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I'm out yeah i can't <laughs> but no and it also has like but this also has like a cool title like 21st century demon hunter like that's that also sounds like a badass anime by the way so yeah no I for real encourage everybody to check it out i'm planning on finishing it um, yeah, we also have we have a lost episode coming in the re-release of um of the first season that we actually shot at the theater, the Shakespeare Theater where I'm the company manager. We used yeah. um we just sh- we just shot it like 2 months ago, not even. Um and we're going to put it into the first season, but we used all Shakespeare actors for that from the co- for the company that I work at. And it was like, "Hey, you want to be in my demon honor show?" <laughs> Shakespeare actors they were all about it so um that's yeah no it'll definitely it'll be out or it's still out it's fine everything's fine everything figure it out don't actually don't go watch it wait everything (laughs) fuck everything I just said Um, (laughs) I mean I can access it on Amazon because I bought it but okay that's where I know that it's still available in several different countries which is again this person just this distribution company owes us a bunch of money so now they know this out in the open on a public platform (laughs) um it's fine but then he wound up then i helped come in as a producer for Teresa and allison which um uh is also now on blu-ray and dvd and that's like this beautiful and gory lesbian vampire film Mm -hmm. and um it's just i i think it's been banned from amazon actually (laughs) because it's that gory um which i i didn't think was a possibility but i'm sure you can find it but you can get it on DVD on amazon and it's um yeah we won new jersey horror con and then days of the dead atlanta with that and that was really fun how composed the score for that band geeks forever and nice. uh, yes and that's just a really really fun thing and so we just keep making horror films we are almost done with principal photography of our next feature bishop's cove i was gonna ask about that yeah yes so that's next we're almost we're almost done um post has already started on everything that we haven't shot already and that's just been i play like the lead antagonist in that um their name is the nameless so i'm playing a demon now as opposed to a demon hunter and um yeah it's just it's a really messed up film uh, about a woman who used to be a junkie and she got while she was a teenager and she got her ex-girlfriend uh addicted to heroin as well and then she has this beautiful life on the upper west side and she's like happily with her new woman and then she gets the ashes of her ex-girlfriend who she got addicted to heroin and is she is so this girl OD'd Catalonia and she is Heather who is played by Emily McKinley Hill who's also in the first episode of Demon Hunter and so she is instructed to go to this little town upstate called Bishop's Cove and return the ashes to the family and then basically hell breaks loose and that's where I come in (laughs) nice yeah that sounds like good I mean good horror is also good drama so it sounds like there's a good dramatic backdrop to uh to that so that's oh yeah okay. i look forward to that that's thank you awesome it's gonna be uh, fun yeah um so i wanted to uh ask you real quick because um we have some mutual friends in common uh, we do yeah we Vinny. like i have to give him a shout out on the air oh yes duh um, Vinny. i love you i love you <laughs> um but you were in and i haven't seen it yet uh, and i came close to seeing it a few times um you were in uh... (laughs) okay you're in love and love not right yes yes i was i had anthony on the show back in november also that's like that's that's literally how i met Vinny too like it was just all kind of like a cluster oh that's crazy anthony we love you too um so i still haven't seen it um 
I missed a few festivals, but um, what was uh, I know that was like shot during COVID, but like, what was what was that like? What was that experience like? I mean, that was that was really cool. Again, it's like something of having the foundation of horror and branching out. Yeah. This is, I mean, like I'm sure that what happens to a lot of the women in Love and Love Not is horrific, um, but. I'm kidding. Um, the it, it was just really fun. I remember booking the job, and then um, I think I just shot for a day. Yeah, I oh. think it was one day, one day in Staten Island. Yeah, one day in Staten. They had shot. Um, I'm not sure if they wrap principal photography in Los Angeles, but they were obviously in New York, and that's how I met Anthony and Vinny as well. And it was just. Um, it was really, it was really fun. I mean, Becky, I play Becky in that and she's kind of the lead character's hometown hookup person. And it was just, uh, all of my scenes were in the back of the car and we all know what happens in the back of the oh, car. Shit. Yes. <laughs> so, Like I said, I, mean, I haven't seen fun. it yet. <laughs> Surprise. Um, no, no, it was, it was definitely a joy. I caught it at the, um, what's it called? The Manhattan Film Festival. Yeah, and um, uh, someone who's in the Shakespeare Company I work for, who's like he's a man in his late sixties, early seventies, who's very conservative. He was in another uh, film that was in that festival called Midlife the Movie, which I also enjoyed, and I know a lot of people on that. But um, but he was just like, oh, Chelsea has a movie. I'm gonna go to her screening, and we were the only people in the front row, and he's just having to watch this from me where I had just played Lady Macbeth, and now he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, the movie is really great. All the performances are really wonderful in Love and Love Not. I'm excited for it to be released. I'm really happy and proud of everyone who's like won awards on it. And again, I yeah. met Anthony and then I met Vinny and now he reps me and he's just been a joy. It's been great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I swapped text messages with him at least once a week now. So. Yeah, he's there been a bit. Go. He's been on this show too, by the way. He came on. Oh, uh, yeah, he yeah he came on back in uh, April. I, I had to really twist his arm, but then <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he do it. I could tell he was a little <laughs> nervous. So I, I we did a lot of prep for it. Oh, that's cute. I like to think of him <laughs> nervous. That's hilarious. Yeah, and then no, it started the like best. monsooning, like hurricane outside, and I was just like, I'm gonna lose power, so we gotta wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before before we uh wrap things up here i i did want to mention something that's pretty freaking cool um you i don't know the exact job title i should throw out here so maybe you can help me a little bit whether it's brand ambassador or something or you're just or you're modeling sure. for the for the clothing line but you are you're modeling for lizzo's clothing line yes yes i am <laughs> Yes, I am. Um, so Yiddy, Yiddy was um Yiddy, Yiddy. So my day job is that I'm a model. Oh, God, I, I fucking hate saying that. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty um, like it's pretty. Cool. Like I, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not even ever close to doing something like that. But <laughs> yeah, I've been modeling. I've been modeling um with my uh, agency. We speak models since 2013. Yeah. And they've always been amazing to me. Um, and then they've sent me all over the country. Um, and uh, it, how it works with modeling is that you kind of just get the call last minute. I'm really lucky where I don't need a day job so I can be available if I have a dog sitter last minute, mm -hmm. if I'm not in a play or I have an understudy or something like that. But um, uh, yeah, so I think it was the night before I flew out that my manager my modeling manager brianna who i adore um uh called and was like can you be in la in the morning and it was like yeah <laughs> that's kind of that's usually how it goes um the but yeah so i modeled for yiddy so i guess that there's like of course there's a difference between brand ambassadoring uh influencing and modeling and i don't i just know that i was hired to model and they posted it um, so I know that that's what modeling is. It's flown somewhere to model for them versus like a brand ambassador. They send you clothing and you try it on and like an Instagram oh, okay. reel or something I like that. screwed that, that up. Damn. No, you didn't. No, you dropped the ball on this one, buddy. No, no, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, no, I went and I worked. Um, we shot at the Goldstein residence, which is like in the top, the tippity top of Beverly Hills. 
It was just absolutely stunning. And Lizzo and the entire team were just a dream. Um, very fun shoot. Oh, she was there. Uh, well, she shot on a different day than us, oh, but I okay. found out that she she hired us specifically is what I found out. Okay. So I, I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> it's still pretty cool. I'll I'll take it. Yeah, it was a great shoot. Um it was a great shoot and it was it was crazy. The call sheet the call sheet with everyone on it. There were five of us models. Um and then there was like two hundred and fifty people on it on the crew. And so it was kind of like a Marvel film where I was like, Oh, this is gonna be a big production. Mm-hmm. And it was. It really was. Um but it was just nothing but fun. I know that two two campaigns have released so far, and I think I'm in two more that are coming out in September. Nice. Yeah. That will definitely lead to probably a lot of cool things, I guess. I mean, I, I hope so. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. Um, it definitely has. There's been a like, fashion podcast and stuff so far, reaching out of the woodwork and it's just it's been a dream my life every single day i'm like this isn't real (laughs) 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 no that's cool i mean i just watched um on netflix lizzo was on uh david letterman's like new show he's got on netflix and she seems yeah she seems i don't know if you ever get to actually be on a shoot with her but like she just seems like you know cool laid back woman like she and plus she's like very like she's always like very creative like she's i don't know sometimes you think of like music artists like they're always in the studio some big studio and yeah she probably does stuff like that but like she's still at home like with what's the what's the uh uh garage band like audio software oh, just yeah. like cutting little demos and stuff like in her like bedroom and like i'm like that's fucking cool like She's That's like, so cool. You know, she's what I would love to do with her is just like because she's a flautist. I would love to just like randomly like jam on the clarinet while she jams on the flute. Like that's what I would like to do. <laughs> Lizzo, hit me up. <laughs> I have no connections to her, but whatever. <laughs> I don't think I can help Lizzo. you, but I would love to see that too. I'd, that'd be a sick yes. Instagram post. It really um, would. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, this is the part of the show where uh let's just say i understand how non-disclosure agreements work and whatnot it's my little catchphrase now i feel like when i get to this part of the show but um you have the floor to say anything you might be working on or coming down the pipeline at some point i know you mentioned bishop's cove but if there's anything else that Mm -hmm. you're allowed to speak of floor is yours yeah oh my thank you i love having the floor (laughs) chelsea shut up um the um (laughs) So with Seal Squared Productions, we um what we started um principal photography just a couple of days on our next feature, which is called Nowhere Fast, um, which is about an all 80s, an all-female 80s punk band that's on their first uh tour. Yeah. And and yeah. the uh the end of the world happens, like the apocalypse, like zombies and all sorts of weird um paranormal shit happens and it's really it's a bloodbath like all of our films are um really excited to keep doing that and producing that i will have maybe maybe i will have a small cameo maybe but all of all of the cl squared um films exist in the same universe we call it the clu because <laughs> we're lame um <laughs> we call it no i love it but we call it the clu so it all exists in the same universe so my character and bishop's cove as well as julian 21st century demon hunter exist in the same world so um can only take a small part on camera in nowhere fast but that's going to be really really fun um and we will wrap that next year bishop's cove will probably be making the festival circuit in like the late winter early spring um, my other production company with Dan Kinden is called Golden Grand Piano Productions. Yeah, I forgot to say, you run two production companies. Uh, that's pretty impressive. I forgot to say that at the top of the show. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. That's okay. Um, yeah, so we have Macbeth the Cursed Film is out on Tubi. You can watch that there. And then we have uh, The Confession of John Wilkes Booth, which is on Tubi as well. You can watch that there. And so I guess the next thing that Golden Grand's getting involved with is that John Romain, who wrote The Confession of John Wilkes Booth, which is kind of like a monologue play, 
that we shot on um, the theater company that I am the company manager for. Um, we shot on that stage. But so John Romain wrote a major motion picture that was kind of that is around the same story, which is the um, what if John Wilkes Booth didn't die when everyone was taught that he died right after the assassination and all of that. And so it goes into him living until he's around 65 years old, uh, winds up killing himself. We actually we have the we have his descendants, the Booth family descendants backing this being what they have been told is what actually happened. Um, so that's called Thus Always to Tyrants. And uh, we have Bob Johnston, who's uh, from the Alien franchise and Arrival, uh, working on that with us. And um, that we will go into, we're in pre-production now, and we'll start shooting that next April. Really excited, really, really excited for that, because John and I will both reprise our roles. And um, we have some really cool uh, cast, like household names uh, joining our cast that we will announce at a later date. Yeah. Uh, nice. That is, yeah. like I said, uh, what are you not doing <laughs> at the top of the show? This is a, uh, I don't know. You're very busy. <laughs> um, where can we find you on social media? If uh, Social media. Yes, <laughs> all of the people who were like Shakespeare's not relevant, even just like blast me on Instagram. Oh like, shit! Yeah, not. all right. Let me no, know if that happens. Kidding. I'll no. uh, I'll put a. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm I'll just like kidding. cut that shit out, man. <laughs> cut that shit out, man. No, oh, no. Like be, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It'd be that'd be hilarious though. Um, my website is chelsealesage.com. It hasn't been updated since December, so I'm gonna fix that. Um, Vinny's been on my ass about that, so I will fix that. And then um. <laughs> Uh, but you can contact me there or my Instagram is chelsea.lesage. And yeah, I guess that's maybe where I'm most, most active. You can see some Lizzo shit. You can see Shakespeare shit. You can see horror shit. Who needs anything else? Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, yes. uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for Thank you. a awesome show, Chelsea. This was a lot of fun. I just said well, that thank twice. you for having me. No, it's okay. I just said shit three times. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. And you guys know the routine. Leave a rating. Leave a review. So this show does not go into the abyss of everybody who has a podcast. See you all next week. Hey.